So now that we've hit record, you can say, <laughs> Welcome, sisterly situations. I'm Missy. What's the situation, Cheryl? <laughs> well, I am Charlene, and we are really excited about everything that's been going on the last few weeks. And we're going to take a little bit of a turn in our episodes here. So the first few episodes, you've gotten to know us and some of the things that we've gone through. And now this next episode that you're going to listen to that gets released this Tuesday is not about us, really. It's more this Tuesday, but it's going to be today to our listeners because I'm attaching this. Oh, you're attaching it. We're not doing it separate like we did before. Okay. All right. So this, this episode that you're about to listen to, (laughs) fucking tired. (laughs) Yeah. So this episode that you're about to listen to is about something completely different. It's Missy and I talking about a show that we both watched, a docuseries type of show that we both watched on Amazon prime. There's Amazon again. I mean, I am spending so much money with them. You it can are. be a sponsor. Yeah. Too bad you insulted them in the beginning. In the very first episode. <laughs> I, because the fire stick was glitchy, but I got new ones <laughs> since then. And they work better? Clear. They do work a lot better. Um, yeah. I got the new ones and I've done all the Christmas shopping. <laughs> <laughs> so we watched this docuseries on Amazon Prime about Hugh Hefner. And uh, we had a lot to talk about with it. So we decided to record our conversation. You know, I, have, I haven't gotten to the point where I've listened to it before posting. So I don't remember oh, a lot so of the get, conversation. <laughs> yeah. So you get to hear kind of real time uh, some reflections and how we had some preconceived notions and mm-hmm. some evolution of thought process. And right. Right. Yeah. Because we learned a lot of history. That yes, we didn't know before. That yeah. we did not know. And, and since we'll talk then, about that. Since then, though, and since we've recorded this, we actually found an epi- a Playboy magazine. Oh, this will also tie into a future episode as well that we recorded for, I think we might have recorded that for season two. So yeah, a little Easter egg for season two. We watched Pam and Tommy after we watched the Hugh Hefner docuseries, which is called what the what is it called? Um, <laughs> well, we'll find out in the recording because it's not Secrets of American Playboy, right? Because that's one we haven't watched. I think it's the American Playboy is what it's called because it's Secrets of Playboy is the one that we still have not watched that we will need to watch and record about in season three. Season three. <laughs> Anyway, we wa- we later on Easter egg for season two. We later on watched Pam and Tommy. And so, yeah, we found a Playboy magazine with Pamela Anderson and the Baywatch crew on the cover. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. From the eight, eight, 90s, right? Like the early 90s. It's got the I, it. yeah, it, uh, it's over there and I'm attached to the cords. Otherwise, I'd tell you. Yeah. 90s. Okay. 
That's in the 90s. That's yeah. when the show was on. Like, I know this. I was alive. Yeah. Anyway, hope that you've enjoyed listening and learning more about us and hope that you enjoy this this pivot here. We'll do something a little less serious and a little, a little more- different. Yeah, a little out of oh. our own personal stories. You've gotten to know us really well. So we're like, let's uh, throw in something a little different here. Yeah, a little more lighthearted. Um, yeah. And we'll start doing that also. We've got a few short episodes that'll be coming out soon that are totally different topics than our personal lives and a, a little bit some sometimes they tie into our personal lives a little bit but it's more lighter topics yes. we aren't all just about trauma and depressing people yeah <laughs> um, we want you to feel like you can laugh and enjoy life with us too so here we go here is the situation enjoy welcome to sisterly situation i'm missy and i'm sherilyn (laughs) um we are sisters and we are sisters and uh here's our situation here's our situation Uh, so just like kick off a little bit missy and i are very uh, are obviously very close and we talk about a lot of things and this is a particular topic more of interest to us more so than about us. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, and it's, it's the kind of topic that we, we talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but there, there is talk about things that might be sexual in nature or about like sexually related things. So I sex think work. just so sex work. Yeah. So, um, so just a heads up to our listeners that there might be some uncomfortableness or if this is something you listen to with kids around, Maybe I wouldn't. This one. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't with this one. So, all right. Um, so what is our topic? It is. What so, is our topic? Yeah. We um, watched the uh, docuseries uh, called American Playboy, the Hugh Hefner story. Um, it is on Amazon and it's free if you're a prime member, I think. And so it's a docuseries. There's 10 episodes. It came out in 2017. Um, and we just watched it in the last couple of weeks and And it's February, 2022. (laughs) Right. Right. So yeah. Um, wait, so the docuseries came out in 2017. Uh, Hugh Hefner was, yeah, still alive when this came out. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I, I think he passed that year. I don't know year. exactly when he passed. I will find out right now. So we're bringing this up because recently another show, um, like Secrets of the Bunnies or Secrets of Something, has come out and there's been a little bit of buzz about it and I really wanted to see it. Secrets um, of Playboy. Secrets that of Playboy. That just came out. That's what just came out. And... So what happened was I went searching for that and then this popped up and it's more of like Hugh Hefner's story. And I was like, well, let me learn a little bit about him first. Well, yeah. First, let's give him the benefit of the doubt a bit. And then I found out that Secrets of Playboy, um, I would have to pay for, like I'm not on whatever it is for it to be free and I'm just cheap. <laughs> so I w- I'm as angry about that because I have like Hulu and Netflix and Prime and Peacock now and HBO Max, and I was like, "Why is this not on some kind of platform that I'm already, already paying, paying for?" <laughs> so I was like, "All right, well, let's listen to 
Hugh Hefner and his like his story just to get a little bit of that sense and perspective from that from the docuseries I will say that obviously I don't live in a vacuum so I knew who Hugh Hefner was (laughs) Um, and I I have a like I have a bottle opener that's the Playboy bunny that's on my refrigerator that I've had forever Uh, forever yeah you have I used to back in college rock a necklace that was the Playboy bunny on a key. I didn't get Which that we reference. Learned what the key is in the docu series. In the docu series, yeah, I didn't even know that total reference. I just yeah. it was a cute necklace, and I used to rock it. And I've always sort of been fascinated by, like, I used to read. I used to literally read some of the articles way back in the day. And I, I like they're very like the women are pretty and everything, but the articles were always fascinating. It's like that and Maxim, but this whole like world of glamour and beauty and what that means. And I was also aware that one of the playmates has come out and she wrote a book and like there, and there have been a lot of negative things that have been said about her experience, having lived in the mansion with Hef and all the, and like all of that. So I did go into this with some preconceived notions. Mm-hmm. Um, some things I think were validated in watching it and some things were kind of surprising. And I was like, oh, I had no idea. Um, so yeah, same, same. I, I was watching it and Missy has her own relationship with this particular topic that I was like, I think this might interest her. I also, for some reason... Amazon and Google are always sending me updates that it ha- if it has to do with Playboy or a Playmate said something or Hugh Hefner. I don't know why, because it's not something that I like regularly Google, but it shows up often. It's funny. <laughs> oh, I, maybe because we talk about it so much. And maybe. Maybe. The phones are listening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they are. Um, Hef died uh, about five or six months after the the docuseries came out he died in okay I my experience my thoughts like preconceived thoughts before watching this was really even less than yours you know I I had right. heard I had heard about some of these stories and allegations that have been made about him since uh but super vaguely just heard that it happened you know mm-hmm. um and then you're the one that told me that 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 came out on Amazon and then also that the um, docuseries that we wound up watching was on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I found it super interesting because, you know, it starts with, this was married in what, the 50s? Mm-hmm. About the same time that our grandparents were in high school. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was like such a different time and you don't really like, think about that when you think about Playboy, right? It started Playboy magazine came out in the 50s also in the 52, maybe I think we learned. Um, I thought it was 54 is when they first published the okay. one with Marilyn. Okay. Maybe something like that, that might be have to one of the, there might be situations where we just have to go back and fact check ourselves on these <laughs> after. Well, we know we, we are pretty sure it's the early 50s. Um, Definitely. Yeah. The first yeah. half of the 50s. Yeah, so so in a really like sexually conservative time, 
and, you know, (laughs) nude pictures were incredibly taboo. Whereas, you know, in 2022, everybody has an OnlyFans and is, you know, selling their nudes online and um, my how far we've come. And I do really, I, I do really think that Playboy and, you know, other platforms like that, you know, they're not the only one as, as we discover, there's a ton and actual competition for Playboy. Um, we learned that. But it, t- it did take a while before the competition came out. A long I had no idea they went uncontested for so long. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Um, Because I guess like during those times, maybe nobody would really, nobody would really dip their toes in that because it was so taboo and so such a different time, you know, like you look at the cover of the very first um, issue and it's Marilyn Monroe and he had bought that picture off of a calendar company or something. Yes. Yeah, 1953. Look so split that. the difference. We were both wrong. You said 52. I said 54. <laughs> <laughs> it's December 53. You know, and what is that? Is that like a swimsuit of the 50s that she's wearing or like some sort of jumpsuit? I, I, she's fully clothed, you know, like today <clears throat> we would never look at that and think, taboo and they didn't really say anything about about her outfit and how that looked but it got a lot well, of that's buyers. on the cover she was naked on the centerfold picture there was the centerfold wasn't a thing yet true but in inside the magazine she was okay th- there is the spread of nudes okay and there okay. is a na- there is a nude picture of her okay um yeah no that's true yeah yeah, yeah. on the red background I remember mm-hmm. seeing that. Okay. True story. But anyway, it, it was, you know, this gorgeous, we all know Marilyn Monroe's famous for being gorgeous. gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, She's sort of like that pinnacle, that perfect picture like that picture perfect. Yeah. Yes. She's what we all were like, Oh, I wish could I grow up like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and to me, like the, it, there's, there's nothing I don't know. It was so tasteful and it's, but back then it was so taboo, you know? So I just, I, and I thought that was interesting that Marilyn Monroe's picture was bought from a calendar company. Right. Like how they got pictures of girls back then for these magazines. So what I thought was interesting was, uh, so I had mixed feelings about that. So it was like, I understand but I always associated Marilyn with being the Playboy girl. Yes, she was she never had a Playboy, no, right? She had no say in that. It wasn't her mm-hmm. decision she had no to position. be on the cover. Like, she didn't own her own pictures. I wonder if there's any interviews with her about and about that, like, where she's asked. Like, how did she how feel she felt about being, on about being exposed that. on that level? Yeah, because, I mean... You probably had to sign a contract when you're taking pictures like that and somebody else owns the right to it, the rights to it. You know, they she probably had to have signed something where she knew that that kind of thing could happen. Yeah. I mean, I don't know in the 50s. I don't know. They didn't really Um, touch on that. Yeah, it's a very different time and it's a very different thing. So like I so I recently did a Bordeaux boardwalk that's the word um boudoir <laughs> a, a french style uh word photo <laughs> shoot and so technically like my pictures are owned by the 
photographer. But my my assumption wouldn't be that she would just she technically I could sell them to a magazine and I could be posted in such a way or to a website where I could be posted in such a way um, where you lose ownership over your own. So that's where like, I was very conflicted and in how I felt about that Um, because you do like, that's her body and she owns that, but she didn't own the image. And that, that kind of sat with me poorly. I didn't like tricky. That's tricky. It's a very tricky thing. And I think one of the great things about today and things like OnlyFans and the other platforms that are out there is it's women being able to take their image and they're like Hugh profited off of Marilyn's image. Mm -hmm. The photographer profited off of Marilyn's image today we can go to websites and profit off of our own image and we have ownership over our own bodies. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about the transition of where we are today. Oh yeah. I mean, one of the best things that have come from places, platforms like only one of the best things that has come from platforms like OnlyFans (laughs) is Mm -hmm. that, yeah, the, the women, I mean, and when you go to porn too, the men and women that are the porn stars of these videos, they're in control. Now they're in charge of the mm-hmm. scene. They're in charge of the set. They're in charge of selling it. And it takes, uh, you know, it makes it, it puts the woman, the, the woman, I mean, I speak to women, you know, but men included as well, you know, it puts the, the, stars of these videos in control a lot of porn stars have gone to OnlyFans because they are in charge and they Mm -hmm. get to choose and make the decisions for everything and they get to own their own content and that's the biggest part of it owning your own content right versus I think there was so in the docu-series, it's very, it's very much presented as an appreciation of these women and mm-hmm. empower, like their thought process was empowering. But later in the series, they do get to where it's, you're profiting off of women. Mm-hmm. And both sides of that argument are valid, but I don't think there's a mutually exclusive, like all women feel one way or the other. Like you're not speaking for all women by saying, I feel empowered to take my clothes off, but you don't speak for all women to say, I don't want to be exploited. By yeah, or you're objectifying. Your, you're objectifying me by taking my clothes off. Like the, the, there is a whole spectrum of feelings and like I fall somewhere in the middle of that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, for example, like I enjoyed doing my photo shoot for my private use and I did feel empowered, I guess, in doing that. But if those images were sold and posted online somewhere, I would not, like, I would be very exploited and upset about something like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's, um, but at the, at, so it would, it, it's kind of like, especially if someone else was profiting from that, you know, that would be like, yeah, well, I mean, let me just 
tell you right now, everybody, if there's anything that you do not want exploited on the internet and sold by somebody else or or seen by other people for free, do not put it on the internet. Yeah. Just don't do it. If you're not okay with it being seen by people that didn't pay for it through you, yeah. just don't do it. Yeah, and there's so, there's so two sides of that because the other, so there has been this whole taboo and one of the things, so like I work with, I do a lot of volunteer work with Safe Harbor, which is an organization that has done a lot of work to help survivors of domestic abuse and human trafficking, um, which is a serious issue. So like one of the, the biggest way that they're able to catch human traffickers is they arrest the girls because they catch the girls selling themselves and, and doing prostitution. So they get arrested for prostitution. And that is how you find the, the predator. One of the, and like, it's so hard because you want to take the, the person who's trafficking these girls off the market, but you leave them vulnerable because one, they don't want to get found and they don't want to have a record and get arrested. Like that's not the best way, but how else do you reach to, how, how else do you get to those predators? And there's such a like debate of the best of like how to go through like that whole, that whole thing. So there, there is sort of that, that is why it has remained prostitution and sex work and things like that have remains illegal and like on the lit on like there is that whole debate about the right way to manage all of that is because it because they know that that's how that is the number one way of resource of to get to predators which is so much more than some than which is not to say that someone should be arrested for prostitution. Like if I'm doing it for myself and I'm owning it and I'm doing like, you know, and I'm doing what I want to do. And this is how I feel empowered, whether it's something modeling or it's, or it's only fans or literally this is what I want to like, how I'm choosing to make my money. Um, like that should never be in my, in my opinion, that should never be a crime. Mm-hmm. right yeah but right. it should be but, but it is a crime for someone to say no you have to do this and make me money yeah well and then on the flip side of that I've heard interviews of uh you know girls that have had pimps that uh really like their pimp situation and yeah because that's someone you know, who gets them clients and does the management for them manages them and and also profit out profits off of them, you know, so it's so incredibly tricky because, because of just that, I mean, there's, there are predators out there, you know, and there are also, there was actually something that Jamie and I watched recently. She's really into like those true crime type shows. Mm -hmm. We're watching one and there was like some sort of, there was some sort of serial killer that was um, targeting prostitutes super young girls prostituting them so common yeah you know so like and his thing when he he went to 
testify was, yeah, I'm guilty. And it's, I'm helping you. I'm getting these girls off the street. You know, he was sick. He's totally sick. Obviously. Obviously. But like, that's those are that's that was like his thought process said. like he's batman he's getting all the prostitutes all the prostitutes off the street <laughs> yeah yeah right he's criminals but, yeah but he's but you know, he probably just said that because he thought it was funny you know like that's how i viewed it i was like he doesn't actually believe that he's just tar- he's just trying to use that as an excuse for what he did um no i think there's genuinely people out there oh that i are do like- too i do too I, that was just not the feeling I got when I saw this particular one. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, though. You know, I don't know. <laughs> but it was so it was just so interesting to watch and like hear that, you know, that people can actually feel that way. People can come up with that if it's not true, which it, whatever that. Um, so I just and how is that different than like I, I work for a company eight hours a day? And how is that not different? They profit off of. Mm-hmm my labor often yeah there's I'm um, only getting a very small cut of the <laughs> yeah of your work is getting managed too sex workers work gets managed also like only fans is awesome because girls are making you know the most profit off of their content as they ever have on various platforms only fans is also taking a cut you know what I mean like it's mm-hmm. It's a fair one, I would say, but, you know, and, and Playboy has also cut now come up with its own platform, platform. called I think Centerfold. that's how this whole thing came up is you had seen something uh, about or now that it's, it's coming back to me. Um, yeah. I saw, <laughs> yeah. I saw this pretty um, B post that she was like all involved with Playboy and I was like, wait, what is going on? And, um, and it turns out she's like the base of this centerfold platform launch. Um, and it's for, it's very similar to that of OnlyFans, but it's um, I, what I understand from just reading the front page of the website, you have to like apply to be on it, you know, to have a, an, a, a creator account. And I think they take people with like significant social media followings and things like that, you know? So um so it has a little bit of the exclusivity that yeah. Playboy has always gone to, which mm-hmm. brings us back to the history a little bit of the docuseries. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, because we learned, we, we definitely learned a lot of like kind of what they were looking for and in women that they hired like as playmates and play bunnies when the clubs opened. Um, right. And how they really were looking for that exclusive, like you have to Mm -hmm. meet a certain criteria and to be a member of their clubs. So they used to have these actual clubs and you got a key to be able to go to the clubs as members, Mm -hmm. um, which don't exist anymore. But that was it. like they had gotten because I think they got a little too big and too big for their britches because they had gotten into some other business ventures but their clubs so many so so many many they had a record they had a record company company. that was completely that was a complete flop really yeah my understanding they They, tried to open a giant resort somewhere uh that flopped I think too they had they tried to do tv production well he did tv productions which is funny because that's referenced in um 
oh, like a TV production company. Yeah. Because yeah. they tried to do movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it was. It was, it was okay, movies. a film production. That's what it was. That right. TV production movie. Because he had the TV show that was like after midnight or something. And it's funny because that was um, that was actually referenced in the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. So you remember the episode where she goes with Lenny Bruce and have you I I saw that Lenny was in that. Yeah, he's a real person. I knew he was a real person. (laughs) Well, I knew he was a real person because when Jean and I watched the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, she turned around and was like, that's a real person. <laughs> um, so that, so that's yeah, why I knew he, that. So they did like a, a walkthrough. They did an episode where they did like a walkthrough on that show. It was like their their night that they almost and then they didn't hook up. Did you see that? It was... Yeah, I've seen it. That happened multiple times. No, no, it was one episode in particular where they go to like the club and he's like, I got to do this TV stint. And he shows up on the show with her. And it was that show. It was referencing because oh, he was a frequenter. Was. Yes, that's he was right. a frequent visitor to that show. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were sitting on that couch and it was exactly like that set. Oh, yeah. OK, OK. Yeah. yeah no, so that was like that. an homage to Hugh Hefner's show. Oh, that's so funny. Okay. It's like the most awkward thing. I was like, what is this show? This is so weird. And it was Hugh Hefner's. And it was like pretty successful show. I mean, I think it was. I think if I think he had like three shows, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, that I remember anyway. And they that were at least mildly successful. Um, so I know of that one. And then there's one that he did back um in the early 2000s for with that was like a day like living at the it was like a reality show living at the house with the more towards the end of his life yeah yeah and that was getting into the reality tv biz and trying to leverage that but I I think there was one in between so there was the one where you were that you were talking about there's the penthouse one the playboy penthouse or something I know they had the parties at the penthouse. I think that was the genesis of the show that they actually had. Like he formatted or like the show based on his parties or whatever. I don't remember. That one, that one was after dark. After the dark. parties was the, the playboy something after dark, something about after dark. And then there was the one, I don't know. There's Playboy After Dark that ran from 69 to 70, ran for one year. And then there's Playboy's Penthouse, which is the one that Lenny Bruce would be on. And then, yeah, and that looks like, so Playboy's Penthouse was the first show that he did. That's what it was. That was the first show that he did in the 50s. And then he did Playboy After Dark, it looks like one year. Okay. late 60s 69 to 70 and, and then maybe that's why I did, it didn't really register because I was kind of thinking it was just a continuation of the other show yeah no they were different and then the girls next door I guess was the reality one from 05 to 2010 yeah so now that we got that straight now that we got all that history straight so anyway he had a lot of other business ventures that 
flopped at not and so film film production being separate from his tv shows was one of those things yeah (laughs) right so there's film production there's the tv shows there was the so then he opened up yeah he had all those clubs those those clubs were successful so the the, yeah the the clubs were clubs were successful that's where the playboy bunny came from Right, where the girls were dressing up and every and in the I costumes. Didn't that was the origination of the of the costume, the bunny costume. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because the playmates were for, were the girls that are the, mm-hmm, the yeah the yeah, girls in the magazine of the year. Yep, the bunnies were the were the waitresses. the waitresses or cocktail waitresses. They did a lot though. Like I don't even know how to classify them because I didn't realize how much. You know, in very simple terms, you can call them cocktail waitresses, but they really were like an experience and they were so diligently trained and the bunny mm-hmm. dip was ridiculous. <laughs> I yes. hated the bunny dip. I hated it. <laughs> and I think that's what garnered him so much criticism by the women's movement in the 70s. Is how specific he was about about the bunnies and how they yes. behaved and because that is my yeah. so my understanding from like conversations that I've had is that continued even when his when his um clubs closed that continued in the mansion so he has bunnies who work in his house work his parties oh. And that continued through his life. Oh, is ha- that is what my understanding mm-hmm. was and mm-hmm. how it was described to me. So that may not actually be a truth. Well, they I didn't, didn't see that in the docuseries Mm-mm. at all. But yeah, I was going to just say they didn't really touch on because they didn't touch on the mansion and the parties really. that he had there. It kind of sort of stopped after he left Chicago. So my the understanding life that yeah, the mansion life. So yeah. there was the there was his big condo townhouse in Chicago. But then when he moved out to LA. Oh, he had a mansion in Chicago. Yeah. But like and his then mansion life in LA is really was happening when I was like in high school. So that's really like his nineties, early two thousands. Like that's what I knew him as. Yeah. That's, that's what, what I heard because I watch a lot of Bill Maher. So Bill Maher would talk about being at one of his parties or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was incorrect. way more, it's way, it was way more. Um, it, that's like just what was happening at the time. And that's what was happening for a long time after, you know, yeah. into, into his old age, you know, he was, he was, yeah. I that. mean, pretty much till he died, he so was having these parties. Yeah. That's his, his legacy, right? That's that is what his we remember legacy, the Playboy Hefner Mansion. For. Yeah. Right. So I remember being a teenager because um, remember, I was really into wanting to do modeling and stuff. Mm -hmm. I was trying to I was never not on a diet and trying to lose weight and stuff. And the ideal, of course, is to be that 32 or or that 36, 32, 20, 36, Mm -hmm. 25, 36. I don't know. I don't remember. But like the to be a Marilyn size size right like to have that perfect hourglass or whatever like sir mix a lot said <laughs> only if you five three <laughs> um well the girls so, weren't really that tall i learned they were not no they were they, they were not they, really and based well, on neither was Marilyn Monroe. blondes 
the way that like no. we kind of thought I mean like I knew you know we we went we talked about this in the past but like it, you know even back in the day like older issues there are um women of color represented in the magazines yes. and everything like that so so it kind of you know, sometimes and I it feel was like the angle of the ca- of the way because they unfold oh, and the way they would the put their legs too. Yeah, because the centerfold as it folded out, it makes you think you're dealing with this tall girl. But mm. I've always known that it wasn't necessarily tall as much as the angle of the ca- of the calendar, because I've I have I've always known that Marilyn Monroe was like five three. She was not much. She was about my height, and she was a model. So it, like. And that's where that 36, 24, 36 oh, measurement you're comes from. I'm literally talking about oh. from the song, but it's it came from these were Marilyn's dimensions. These were her measurements. So it's like, and all of the and all of the many times of measuring myself and being like, oh my God, I'm I'm not big enough here. I'm too small or I'm too big here. And can I get my waist down to this and all of that? Because I was pretty fucking close, honestly, especially in high school, I was pretty close to those measurements. And I was always like, if I just need to lose like five more pounds, like uh, always. Um, And I could be her. Um, So I, I always had that interest in modeling in general, and not necessarily nude modeling though not nude modeling but modeling and one of the things that had been presented to me was you could work in as a bunny with these measurements you could go you could do this you could work as a bunny you could go Mm. out to LA and you could do all this um and one of the things that was sort of a detractor for me were some of the rules that I was told that went along with it so and this wasn't covered in the docuseries because like I said, they kind of ended the docuseries around when his daughter takes over actually running the magazine. And then there's yeah. the docuseries really just kind of does like a highlight reel of the next four decades of his life. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, he's kind of, he's kind of out now. It really um, does talk way more about the early days. About the early days. Yeah. Yeah. From like the fifties to like, I mean, a long, it still covers. I mean, there were a couple of episodes where it was, it does, but I think the nineties are kind of glazed over in the last episode. Whereas there were a couple of episodes that was like, it was 1953 and you go through that year and like it. Okay. So it was this, it was 1964 and here's what I was doing and da, 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 da. And like the whole episode is that year. So it's, you know, it's very, very detailed. You're right. It's very detailed up until the Dorothy Stratton murder. Yeah. And the bankruptcy. Yeah. Yeah. When the daughter the takes over. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the daughter takes over yeah. and then suddenly end. Um, so there is that whole side of, I, I literally have no idea about the mansions and maybe one day will be big enough that we can get Bill Maher on here and he can tell us more about those details because he seemed to be a frequent flyer. Um, <laughs> and, and I love Bill Maher in so many ways. Um, Why can't I think of who Bill Maher is right now? Um, he's a comedian. He's the comedian who does the HBO special or the HBO show 
Um, he used to do Politically Incorrect, and I can never think of what his show on HBO is. And he has now been doing the HBO show for Real way time. longer. Real time with Bill Maher. That's it. And he's been doing that for way longer than he did Politically Incorrect on CBS. Um, okay, but that's yeah, I definitely recognize his face, but I don't think I've seen anything. And you won't watch it because it's political. But I oh. keep trying to tell you, you would agree with him politically way more than I would. And he is absolutely fucking hilarious. And his comedy specials. Oh, my gosh. You should definitely look him up. Okay. And he did a, he did a movie called Religious-less. Um, okay. Religious. And okay. he's, so, he's so, it's not a real word. Um, he's trying to mix religious and ridiculous i think mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's because he's very critical of any kind of organized religion um and he grew up catholic so he's hilarious okay. um i reckon i definitely recommend him okay well maybe someday he'll come on too. yeah That'd so maybe fun. he'll come on one day and tell us all about the playboy mansion and, and tell us about his playboy down. mansion days yes just um i just i want to go so badly I want to go still open well you're close it's in LA LA, so if it's still running that's where it is yeah I I did like on the docuseries that it did have his kids give their commentary Mm -hmm. and both um um, both generations because he had that's true the ones in the with 50s, his first wife. his first wife, and then he had children in the 2000s with his third or fourth with his last wife, right? Did he have kids with his last wife or the wife before his last wife? Did he have, was he married that many times? I don't yeah. think he married all of them. He married, yeah, he did marry three or four times it, because the first marriage after the first marriage ended he had said he's never getting married again blah 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 blah, blah. and right, then because he wants many, to many, live many, the playboy many lifestyle mm-hmm. and then many 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 years later he married someone and then he married he married a playmate after that i think they were all playmates. i know he had that long time girlfriend but then he yeah, married barbie. a playmate barbie um i really liked her just her whole I'm sorry. Okay, you're right. Three. It was three. Yeah. It was Millie and then Kimberly Conrad, who he had kids with. So he had kids with Millie and Kimberly. And then Crystal was the last one. And I don't think they had kids. But yeah, Barbie Benton was the girlfriend that lasted a long time. For a long time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think, and wasn't the, the second wife is why he moved out to LA, right? Because she wanted to move out to L.A. Well, there was, I'm not sure. I don't remember. There were a bunch of, there were a bunch of reasons. But ultimately why he gave in was she really wanted that out of the know. city. Like I don't really she, remember that. They did a lot of. There was so much. You're, there was so there much. There was so much. So many details. So much information about the. And about, that's what the startup which was really cool you know and the beginning yeah and, and then once his second marriage happens and then the daughter took over it it just sort of like and then this happened and this happened and this happened and you're done and i was like i feel like you could have dug into that like could you you're not right have done the second two more marriage, episodes the, the second marriage lasted a while too it was like it was his longest one it was like 20 years 
but they sort of just glaze over it. They really did. Cause he moved out to LA and that's where they had the kids. And he was really being a father mm-hmm. at the mansion in LA. Yep. So, but like, they really do just sort of glaze over all of that. And that's most of his life really. They're just sort of like, so they he do did this- those are like, Big party big days things. too, right? Like after, mm-hmm. so then he, he had big party days and then he had those kids and he like did the dad life. And then when they got divorced, they, he started up the parties again. And then he got married to, I think the playmate, Chris, I think Crystal Harris is the playmate. I, I, I do feel like that second wife had started as a playmate and turned Possibly. into a girlfriend wife. Cause how else did he meet yeah. women? Yeah, he was, she he really was, met them as playmates. Yeah, she was playmate of the year in 89, the year that they got married. Yeah. Okay. And See? Crystal Harris is playmate of the month for December 2009. And she became, you know, the widow of Hugh Hefner. Right. And, and I mean, and he still had several girlfriends. He was never a monogamous man. No, which was very, he was very honest about through the whole. Right. I did like his honesty about it. Me too. I I have to. Yeah, I really do. And especially with like that sort of thing becoming so much more popular these days, um, polyamory and open Mm -hmm. relationships, you know, there's a lot of that going on. um, And people are becoming way more honest about it now. And he was really like, you know, I, I really respect that he was very honest about that back then in the, mm-hmm. in the taboo days. Yeah. And his wife had, when they were dating before they were married, she had his been with somebody else, his first affair. wife. And he yeah. was heartbroken. Right. But she then he had his affair many, many years later. Right. Right. Cause he stayed loyal for quite a while. Yeah. That was like who Hugh Hefner was. Right. We do have to remember it was the 50s. It was mm-hmm. the 40s, actually. It, it was the 40s. And when he got married. Yeah. yeah, he got married in 49. But, you know, they were dating in the 40s. And this mm-hmm. is the time that he grew up in. Right. He was born in the 20s. So, so, yeah. So the times were like super different. The American dream was get married, have kids in your white picket fence yard with the house it isn't too much different now that's still the pressure that we're we put on kids I think there's still some of that but it's definitely expanded a lot more um it's less and it's later it's not it's not your entire identity but we certainly do we still portray a lot of that sort of Disney fall in love when you're 16 and get married move out like kind of a I don't know I don't really see that as much but we have different perspectives. <laughs> well, I see it a lot because I am, I do have a little girl. So there is, I definitely see a lot of that content and a lot of that messaging being sent to my daughter. Like I feel that. Like in the movies that are being made now. In the in kids movies kids and things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I yeah, mean, I'm not and, in that world at all. So I don't, I really don't know. So I do feel like there's definitely that like, I mean, and I felt it when she was like four and she was coming home from daycare and she was like, I'm going to marry this person. I'm going to marry that person. I was like, so her, her dad and I were never married. I I like to say that's the one mistake we didn't make. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But like, 
I was like, where, where are you getting this from? Who's teaching you marriage? Like, why is that? And we weren't Mm. together her entire life. Right. So I was like, where is this messaging coming from? But when you look around her, the media content for kids, she was always, she's at three, four years old. She was like, I want a married dress. Can I get a married dress? And it's because at the end of all the movies, the girl, the princess is in the white dress and she's getting married and that's your happily ever after. And it's, it's still, I I still think it's there way too much for kids, way too much. Um, That's my own feeling. I feel like there's so many other things that kids should be learning and worrying about then. And my daughter, she was like, well, I remember at one point she, when she wanted to be a flight attendant, she, I was like, okay. And she was like, so I'm going to get married, have kids. I'm going to be a flight attendant. And I was like, okay, who's going to watch your kids while you're flying around the world. And she was like, <laughs> <laughs> like grandma, I was like, it's okay. If you don't want to have kids, like you don't have to, she did. She said, you are a great mommy. So you can just watch my kids. And I was like, <laughs> clever girl. I was like, can, how about this? You be a mommy and I'll go be a flight attendant. <laughs> I was like, that's, wait a second. <laughs> that's not the goals. Here. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so, so yes, I mean, so Hugh Hefner, you know, had, had this monogamous relationship because, mm-hmm. you know, that was the standard and you know, very, that's what he wanted at the time. And that is what he wanted at the time. You know, he loved Millie, um, Millie being his first wife. Um, and he was heartbroken over the affair that she had. And, um, I really thought that that was going to go in another direction when she said, uh, when, when they were talking about her, yeah, before, cause she tells him before they get married. Oh yeah, that's right. Like right before they get married. And he's like, no, I'm still going to marry you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I so, thought it's not that I thought that they weren't going to get married. I thought they were going to have a different kind of relationship. I thought they were going to have like an open, like I, that's where I thought that was going. And it went completely the other way where they wound up in a monogamous marriage and but then, completely separated because he really moved. He was like living at the office. Well, yeah, so that's exactly what I was about to say is that he started Sorry. the magazine. <laughs> okay. He started the magazine in the beginning of their, in the beginning of their marriage, like, you know, after the first couple of years, they were only married for like one or two years before, before he started this process. Um, And it was only like three or four before the first issue came out. So during this whole thing, during this whole magazine launch, And the beginning of the magazine and really throughout, I guess, the whole business, he lived and breathed the Playboy business. So it kept him out of his home, away from his wife and kids. Um, He then like, did he have an affair before the magazine? I I think he did. So I don't remember that. I, I think I, he, he talked about wanting it, but he was, because I think at one point they were talking about how he was in the magazine writing about this Playboy lifestyle, but it was the complete antithesis of who he was. 
it was completely like he wasn't he was this married guy he was a family man he was like da, da, da. Yeah. but he's writing about being a playboy and he's like but he wasn't he wasn't having right. all well, of these the, affairs they, and all the women and everything well that's not exactly what the playboy was about it wasn't necessarily about the affairs it was about the fancy fashion uh, the yeah it was kind of being sophisticated this ex- gentleman that um, had and it was, edgy it was kind of going out at night and it was celebrating seeing other women and kind of that bachelor sort of life bachelor yes bachelor thank you that's what i mean it rather than a fair kind of thing it was more of the bachelor yeah it wasn't a, it wasn't yeah, glorifying <laughs> cheat on your wife it was right. be a bachelor which yeah. a playboy yeah that's what i'm trying a bachelor. to say <laughs> yeah so i think that's still so i think that's one of the the misconceptions also that were out there where like he was a faithful husband mm-hmm. um, yeah he tried that and then when he decided to become you when know their it, marriage ended yeah their marriage like, mutually ended, and it says becoming mr playboy is actually the third episode and that's where kind of that starts he changes his style right to reflect the things that he's the magazine saying in more. his magazine you know that's when he started with the pipe that that was a fashion thing that and he wanted to be taken more seriously mm-hmm. because people were not taking him like a grown-up kind of like this nerdy guy he was a nerdy guy yeah uh, which is kind of funny and but yeah. like he starts with the uh, with the pipe to also like add a level of take me seriously bro like I'm not a kid almost almost like my little missy who was like battling for her own like respect as an adult oh shit. like yeah I like, definitely related to Jeff <laughs> because people were not taking him seriously like he kind of got humiliated on one of the talk shows where they were like oh he's just like this he's just a kid enjoying it oh, yeah a, like a childlike fantasy of wanting to see naked girls and which kind of it was exactly that and I mean, so maybe that's I mean, why it hit him so hard and he really took he that huge change yeah he also worked really hard to be more of a public figure mm-hmm. um where it was like the face like, of the magazine because they really didn't fa- know who he was right because he, he didn't even put his be- name on the first issue i thought that was so funny he didn't put a date on the first issue his name is still there but there was it wasn't dated oh i thought it was i thought he didn't put his name i thought that was no it was a date that they made a big deal out of oh oh um but yeah so it's it is definitely like an interesting how he was like he felt so embarrassed from being from that first television interview that after that he was like i'm going to like position myself i'm gonna curate this character that i'm is who i am going to present to the world to be to be the hugh hefner this is who Mm -hmm. Hugh hefner like he he was like this is hugh hefner's going to be this is how i'm going to put this character together and he turned himself into a public character mr playboy mr playboy that Mm -hmm. we all today know and associate him with for sure um so it was definitely interesting 
So one of the other, I'm going to take a complete like turn here. One of the other fun, huge misconceptions that I had that was hugely like glaring. Oh, I think I know where this is going. (laughs) With the episode was I had always assumed that the centerfold and the Playboy image was all about blondes, busty, perfect girls. And it was very white centric. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea what this really opened me up to where I was like, because for some of it, I was just like, okay, so whatever. He's sort of, and I was working while watching it. And I was like, okay, so he's just kind of working on his little magazine and that's cute. But the very (laughs) deliberate ways that he supported African-Americans and civil rights and like a loud, loud voice from, from the very start of Mm -hmm. having, um, who was it? A a few very pivotal. um, Well, he had Malcolm X. Well, yeah, that was later. Okay. But early early, on in the fifties, there was an actor that he had on there. Oh, and he was. And there was the jazz singer. And mm-hmm. I cannot believe I'm completely blanking on her name because she is Aretha such a... Franklin? No, that's much later. She's like 70s. Um, she was a jazz singer um, who actually Marilyn Monroe herself, there there was a Some comment. starts with A. Uh, hold on. Google, don't hate me. Jazz singers, fifties. It's probably going to be like the first name that pops up. And it's Ella gonna... Fitzgerald and Nat King Cole. No, um, that's not the one I'm Ella thinking Fit- of. I feel Ella Fitzgerald is who I was thinking of, who he had on the show and singing in his club at some point. No, I don't um, think so wasn't because there was someone also there's a quote that like Marilyn Monroe refused to sing at a club because it's Ella Fitzgerald yeah it is because she was also really close with Marilyn Monroe where like Marilyn would refuse to go into a club if they didn't let Ella Fitzgerald come in the front door with her when she was opening or she was singing um oh okay yeah I guess okay okay all right all right um and how she so I I knew that Marilyn Monroe had been an ally to her um in that respect um but I didn't I had no idea that Hugh had also Hugh Hefner had also been an ally to African-Americans in the 50s by bringing them on the tv show yeah, there so was, they brought them on the TV show to sing, and they also he also had them like perform and at the clubs, and, and also come in through the front door. Always come through the front door. Mm-hmm. They were treated mm-hmm. like people, you know, people who how you're supposed to treat people. Yeah, um, but that yeah. was not common in the '50s at Mm-mm. all. No, um, and he was definitely one of the first and one of the few. And I think the network gave him a really hard, had told him specifically, you shouldn't have this person on your show. 
and he was on the same show with Lenny Bruce and the like they were hanging out together they were, on the and couch. And he was super controversial during that time as well. During that time. For, yeah. He was and in, he, was he also involved in the civil rights movement? Like Lenny Bruce? I don't know as much about him because I really was introduced to him through um, the marvelous Mrs. Mrs. Maisel. <laughs> I did not know. I like how, so, okay. I like how that came full circle. <laughs> and we were making fun of me for only knowing about him being a real person because Jean told me we were that. watching the show. Well, I was watching either because the show. <laughs> I didn't, but I didn't need someone to tell me. I looked it on up. I immediately was like, "Is this a real character?" Because I mean, that was particularly just... because of that episode and them being on the show. I was like, "What is this show? This after dark show?" Like, I don't even. I still didn't know until oh. watching this docuseries that it was Hugh Hefner's show. Because mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think on Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, they call it like after midnight or something like that. They, uh, yeah, because they and probably that was have some copyright issues. <laughs> probably. So I didn't actually know that. But I remember watching that episode and being like, what is the show? And he frequented a show that um, Mrs. Maisel's that episode was modeled after yeah and that he was a real person I learned that from just like googling while I was watching while I was watching the show yeah well Gene like as soon as he came on the screen Gene turned around and was like she, by the way he's he in, who he was on a he's based on a real person you know yeah that's how that I, was yeah I didn't know that I didn't even I have a chance to wonder or you wonder or how anything. she knew that yeah so I did I she did was a little bit born of- in the 50s <laughs> Really? Yeah, 59. <laughs> wow, okay. I guess 10 years older born- than dad. Mom was born in 64 and dad was born in 69. Okay. I literally had no idea when dad was born. No idea. I have him in my head as a 70s kid. Well, he is a 70s kid. He was born in 69. Yeah. So, so yeah, he is. I just never really cared enough. That sounds terrible. No, it um, doesn't. Why, why, why do you? I just didn't. I knew mom was born in 64. And I know, like, I primarily know that because she's 20 years older than me. So she was 19 when she got pregnant. And like, so it's that 20 year thing. So I know grandma was born in 44. Weren't because you born in 85? I was, but mom was, mom's born in August. So she's not a full, she was 19 when she got pregnant. She was 20, 20 by the time I was born. Oh. So it's really like, there's a half a year type of thing in there. Like okay. I'm not a full eight years older than you. I'm seven years and three quarters <laughs> like but as adults we don't use that language <laughs> like no. we do when we're kids so mom's not uh, mom is a little bit more than 20 years older than me okay but sorry to there be was that, that specific <laughs> yeah there but there is that 20 mark because I knew our great-grandmother had her first daughter at 20 I knew grandma had mom at 20, who's her first child, and mom had me, her first child and daughter at 20. 
And then when I was 20, <gasps> mom had Lil. <laughs> <laughs> she, but she definitely like hit the bullet for me. Um, <laughs> thought you were going like, to break the cycle and then surprise. I was, I was like, I, I did break the cycle. Um, I was determined to break the cycle. I did good. <laughs> Mom was like, wait, we need to continue this 20-year cycle. And she just decided to do that. She didn't decide. That was so not (laughs) deliberate. (laughs) Nothing has ever been that deliberate. (laughs) But (laughs) anyway. None of us were that deliberate. (laughs) You slightly more. After I was found out that I was after yeah, it was the, found at least there was, was excitement. Yeah. Yeah. There was, like, I wasn't, there was certainly there wasn't deliberate. Yeah. No, there was no like, okay, so we're going to look at a calendar and we're going to take our yeah. temperature and we're going to be like, okay, we're going to have a baby and we're going to try to do this because dad was only 22. Yep. When you were born. So it yeah, was like, was like about to be 23. Yeah. Yeah. He young. So he was a young and young boy. He was. So that was. And only a few years sober. And the same with mom, and she, but she was older. I, I have no idea how much older than you she is. I guess like 37-ish, 38. I don't know how to do math. <laughs> or 28. She had to be like 28 because, <laughs> yeah, you're not 18 years younger than me. You're eight years it's younger than me. 28 is exactly right. <laughs> I don't math. I excel. We- um, <laughs> I use yeah, excel we are not the mathers. Math problems. We don't do that We well. are not the math okay. children. Um, I hope grandma doesn't listen to this. She would be so disappointed. I hope Never mind all the sex talk. Yeah. But <laughs> like the sex talk would be like, totally okay. There's many okay. other reasons. I don't think I want grandma to listen. Our fascination with the if sex you do, industry. grandma, um, I love you. I really hope this is not the episode you're listening to, but I love you. I feel like she would be, she would actually probably find most of this pretty hilarious. She's a um, firecracker. She's she is. Yeah. Especially her joke that she told at Thanksgiving. Should I tell that? Do you remember what I'm talking about? I remember that it was hilarious there. and I wasn't there and I heard the story okay. after. I think you and Uncle so, Stephen both told me. I'm gonna tell the story, and if you decide that it's inappropriate, you can cut it when you're editing. Or but... should we save the story for when we have Uncle Stephen on? Hmm. It was some sort of sexual joke. I remember that. Freaking hilarious. Should we I'm just going to tell. Okay. Let, me, let me just tell it. All right, I mean, tell we, it. Please retell it. It's fine. Okay. It's, it's worth the retelling. That's true. Um, so we went to a restaurant that was made, that is called the Something Inn. Um, <laughs> it's, it has inn in the name. And so. <laughs> name of oh, the town, inn. <laughs> right. And so. It has an upstairs and we sort of, we were hearing like, as we were sitting at dinner, grandpa was like, I'm hearing like, are they upstairs? What is upstairs? And dad was, and I was like, well, they just use that really for storage or whatever. It was like, I was wondering if there were still apartments or if it was still used like a hotel style or whatever. And that would be so cool. He said in his, in the, and dad said in their actual menu, they have the history of the building and the uses and everything. And I just sort of off the cuff said, oh, I just assumed it used to be a brothel. 
and <laughs> because I like brothel style up there because I I just have that sort of notion in myself that there are buildings that look like they should just be I assume that everywhere in the U.S. prior to the 50s when things got like really conservative and shut down but like the swing in 20s and 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 the like wild west and all of that I assume that everywhere in the U.S. there were just whorehouses everywhere um and I like that version of America and what I'm saying <laughs> way better. And then something happens. It was like, damn, communists and all that. And everything shut down and got very puritanical. Um, that is American history by Charlene. <laughs> <laughs> so I, and I remember like walking. So, and dad said, dad was like, well, so as part of their, that is one of the purposes that this particular building did have as part of its history. And I was like, oh, so I was right. I was just being like a little obnoxious. <laughs> well, no, like the eight. So I'm actually looking it up now. Um, brothel, brothels were popular between roughly 1850 to 1910. Um, and that so I'm not goes, entirely wrong. And that goes with the history of that area a lot, that area of the country mm -hmm. for sure. And that is the East coast, but um, yeah. Like the Northeast. Yeah. Yeah. So what's, so I told the story how, so grandma, our, our, our mom's mom lived up near coal country um, in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And so I, I remember I was like, I was just saying that to be like obnoxious because, and I said, I have this funny story when grandma and I were taking a walk through her tiny little town in Pennsylvania, I was looking up at all of the buildings that had like these wrought iron sort of railings and balconies over the top. And I was like, I bet that building would made, would have been a good brothel. I bet that building would have been a good brothel. <laughs> really. It was just and I kept doing it because grandma was getting more and more flustered and uncomfortable. And it was funny because that's the relationship that I had with that grandma. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and, and so I forget exactly who said something like, I feel like it would have been a popular profession in coal country in that part of, in that area, because you had so many men working the coal mines and things. And grandma, uh, dad's mom, who was sitting there at dinner with us was like, that just seems like an awful, like job. Like that sounds awful to have done that in that area. And so uncle Steven and I, like both of our thoughts were to, were thinking along the lines of, yeah, I guess it's probably awful anywhere because like where there's that demand or whatever or the type of job like maybe that's what she's thinking it's probably not an easy job anywhere and she was at but she sat there I was like yeah I guess it was a hard job um and she goes well because coal gets everywhere <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> She was like, oh, <laughs> experience with that grandma. <laughs> so she did share that like when she was a kid, they had like a coal, coal 
heat was used as their heat source so there was a pile of coal out in the yard and it could get very messy or whatever she was like but she kept she was like so the men in the coal mines i mean it's on their fingers and it's gonna go <laughs> all up in and i was oh like my God. <laughs> we were like oh my god i don't know how to handle this right now <laughs> i don't think i have ever in all my 30 plus years have ever seen grandpa laugh so hard in my life. Like, I think he almost fell out. Of, he almost fell out of his chair. Oh my it gosh. Was so hilarious. Oh my goodness. Was anybody and like uncomfortable and fidgeting or was everybody me, just cracking up? Me. I was the only one who was like, oh my God, this is so, this is so awkward and uncomfortable. <laughs> like these um, are the grandparents that sleep in separate beds. Mm, <laughs> um, yeah. She yeah. just made that comment. And then uncle Steven like kept me, he like levels up like that's how he goes I love it I love it and he was like yeah instead of gynecologists they have chimney sweeps (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness it just it escalated and it was a theme for the rest of the night like it always came full circle to Uh coal getting everywhere (laughs) (laughs) oh Oh man. Yeah, I'm sorry I missed that one. Oh my God. You would have you would have loved it. I, I was would've... so disappointed at Christmas that we didn't have anything funny like that happen. It, w- it was like normal. <laughs> there was no hilarity that happened. Um what even and I wasn't there. Was it oh, the that's first right. year I was gone? I wasn't there the first year for Christmas. Either. Oh no, that's right, because Christmas didn't happen. Because dad no. had a client who had been exposed to COVID. No. Well, this year. This year. This? Yeah. So this was just this Thanksgiving. So it was just oh, this geez, past November. Just a couple months ago. Okay. Yeah. Just a couple of months ago that this whole thing happens. And then Christmas. Oh, I was yeah. I didn't come that... home for Thanksgiving. Well, in Christmas, hoping... I wasn't around anyway. I was just there for Christmas Eve. Right. But I I was hopeful because you were coming like that. Maybe we would, but we had the zoom call. Yeah. We had the zoom call. We would have a family moments. Um, but we had the family, um, zoom call. And I mean, and there was some funny stuff, but it was still like above board. It wasn't like the daughter. <laughs> oh. All right, I need a break. I need to get chapstick. My lips hurt. Okay. <laughs> I need another glass of wine. Okay.
welcome back. I'm not. You're not back. Now I've returned. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> so, so, okay. Um, so you can leave. We got off cut. on a whole tangent there. I have we did. no idea. You can leave in or cut out however much you want to. But um, let's circle back to Hugh Hefner. Let's circle back to Hugh Hefner. Mm-hmm. And you can cut pieces of that out and make it its own mini episode, probably. I, I think whole we, tangent. we should probably talk about that with Uncle Steven. Too, or something. I don't know. I'll, I'll extract it. I'll probably take it out of this and extract it. I'll save it somewhere, but. That's what I'm thinking. Like that whole. Yeah, maybe we will. Yeah, we'll include it somewhere. We'll put it somewhere. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's good material. It is. It's good material. Yeah, I agree. We should definitely use it, but in what context? Probably not in the Hugh Hefner episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's how we got on Grandma. We were like, I hope she's not listening to this episode. Mm-hmm. Wait, but how mm-hmm. did we even get there to begin with? I don't even know. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I'll find out when I listen. It's recorded. It's fine. But anyway, Hugh Hefner. Hi. Kitty. So we were talking... We were talking about Hugh Hefner being like an ally to African American African Americans in the 50s and 60s. And ultimately, he came to really be a champion of the civil rights movement mm-hmm. in his articles and his interviews in the 70s. Yeah. And how he was like, this is happening. Um, he was very progressive. Yeah. Um, and that was very shocking for me. And that he got the interview with Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. And, and didn't he also interview Martin Luther King Jr.? Did he? I don't remember. Me neither. I thought that was a thing, but I don't know. Definitely Malcolm X for sure. Mm-hmm. 100%, 100% sure about that one. 100% because they made kind of a big deal out of that because he didn't do interviews. Mm-hmm. He wasn't really, that wasn't his thing. No, but he was given a lot of freedom on that platform. Playboy mm-hmm. created a space where what kind of what podcasting is doing today, like mm-hmm. specifically, um, you know, the podcast that we're super into armchair expert with Dax Shepard and Monica Padman. We love them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we love that mm-hmm. podcast. And, you know, a lot of the guests will on that one will touch on how they like that format so much it's different than like late night talk shows where they kind of have a script and a plan and they have two minutes and they don't really get to actually talk about who they are and and what they're about and their story and and all kinds of stuff so um playboy magazine really provided a platform for a lot of these people to do what podcasting is doing now And I think that's why Malcolm X did give that interview. And he legitimized, I mean, as much as Playboy could, he legitimized and he listened to people. Like he really, he didn't just cast aside, he validated that position where it was like, listen, this is a valid position to have. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. Um, yeah, 
yeah, I really didn't know how in-depth that magazine was because, yeah, as I got old enough to be a part of that world, it really wasn't a thing as much anymore. I mean, it's definitely a thing. Playboy is always going to be a thing. So legacy, <laughs> really. Yeah, um, but it's, still, it's not. But it wasn't what it was like in the in the 70s. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, it was huge. I mean, you know, still today. Because their first competitor really didn't come onto the scene until the 70s. Yeah, Penthouse. Mm-hmm. I liked their stuff. It was raunchy. I liked the raunchy. Yeah. Um, I thought it was funny how they were like flirting with the do we show pubes or not? Mm-hmm. Yep. And the imagery really changed. <clears throat> Which, mm-hmm. she's chewing. She has a point. So, personally, I don't necessarily like that. I liked what Playboy was doing before. You like the classy pinups that wasn't uh, as raunchy. I don't know yeah, if like it wasn't fair, but I—that's how I felt. I liked it though. Yeah, um, I don't need to see spread eagle style well they weren't doing magazine. quite that yet either. well they weren't but eventually it evolves into for sure like we know that today into the penthouse mm-hmm. and hustler and i think one of the things why i always liked playboy and maxim was they kept it a little bit like it was a little more comfortable for me to read it was i could enjoy that yes these women are absolutely beautiful but they're just sort of they're not the all of the content like there are interesting articles and there are at least there was back in high school when I read this stuff like I didn't yeah well I I mean I I haven't picked up a Maxim or a Playboy magazine in probably 15 years (laughs) yeah well they stopped making Playboy magazines um oh really Mm -hmm. yeah that was Hmm. the recent decision uh it was sad um because I was like, yeah, it was sad. Anyway, uh, yeah, so, oh, frack, I, I had a thought that I was going to say something and then it slipped out of me. Anyway. So, but you really liked that they- Oh, yeah, I liked Penthouse the- pushed yeah. the envelope. Well, I did. I did really like that. And do I think that it necessarily needed to become a competition? At- no, I guess like, what you're saying, you know, there's different, different things appeal to different people, you know, so there are those people that are kind of looking for the, um, kind of classy pinup style. Um, but then there were people looking for that more raunchy, more, you know, push the envelope kind of, Kind of things the more obscene i do think it's interesting that uh hef was tried on in court on images way before it got raunchy mm-hmm. like way before there was any discussion because she was an actress putting... and there was a man oh, in the picture yeah. because there was a man in the picture that's what it was yep and it, they got tried not on the picture, but on the caption. 
And the man the being picture. in it specifically, the, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because he was fully dressed. And what she was the wasn't. caption? Do you remember? I don't remember exactly what the caption was, but it mm. was the wording of the caption is really where they were able to say that the man being in this picture is what took it to the level of indecency that he was being tried for. Mm -hmm. But I think what's interesting about that is one, yes, there's space in both, but also if Playboy hadn't diversified so broadly, the competition never would have been that big of a deal. Never would have been like if he if he didn't put so many of his assets into different media ventures and the casinos. Oh yeah, and all of these other things. Mm-hmm. If he had been a magazine and maybe like just the clubs, and he had stopped, they had stopped it there. Mm-hmm. Then Penthouse never would have had a chance, even with pushing the envelope there would have been space for both and they could each stay in their lanes yeah in my opinion like in my opinion I think that what really was his downfall and why it really became such a big issue that sales had fallen a little bit they were losing some subscribers over to the penthouse side that wouldn't have mattered as much if they hadn't made some poor business decisions although I say that and so you haven't seen it yet, but there's a new series on Hulu called Pam and Tommy mm-hmm. about Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee and the sex tape scandal. That was such a big sex tape scandal in the 90s. I can't 90s. wait to watch that. <laughs> I think you're going to really like that. Um, yeah, but there's a one of the episodes is when the penthouse owner gets a copy of the tape. Um, Pamela Anderson had already done Playboy. She had been a centerfold. She had been a playmate or whatever. And, or whatever. She had been a playmate. And, um, yeah, I need to leave that in there. She had been a playmate. And so it was like, um, they went to court with Penthouse to not release the tape and not use anything from it and they made it like a first amendment issue and she was like this is my personal property because the tape was stolen and um they were like it's gonna be a thing because you're a playboy playmates and because of that rivalry with Hugh Hefner that the other guy who was the owner of house whoever i don't even know his name um that's how irrelevant he really is (laughs) and why i think that if the business decisions weren't made that definitely playboy could have not had to worry about penthouse because i don't i don't even remember the ceo's name or the owner's name of penthouse honestly didn't even know penthouse was a thing until i watched this really Mm -hmm. okay um before my yeah. time well so they're uh, again they're and stayed I mean, way really. less relevant than playboy like, clearly stayed yeah. way less relevant yeah um i'm just proving the point <laughs> yeah because <laughs> they still exist i'm pretty sure um 
Yeah. Um, and this is in the 90s. So that this whole thing went on. But they, was because they had this. <laughs> well, yeah. You were busy learning how to walk. You know, yeah, stand, walk, crawl, that, those types of things when this video was being released. Um, but yeah, I think there's some interesting things there. Like there was going to be, he was going to release stuff because she was a playmate and to stick it to Hugh. Like I got one of your girls in a video type of thing. Um, that that was like, that was part of the, that that was part of what was mentioned in this episode. It's kind of hard to talk about because you haven't seen that show. That'll have to be another podcast when you watch that show. Okay. And we both <laughs> should say, while we have all of these positive things to say about Hugh Hefner, neither one of us have seen Secrets of Playboy. I do think we mentioned that at the beginning too. I think we, we knew did. that we were going to go that route with her. Yeah. So I, I, I just want to reiterate it. We have not seen that. So some of the perceptions Fair. and the pop. So we went into, I certainly went into watching this docuseries with a very negative feeling mm-hmm. about Hugh Hefner to having some things where we're like, oh, okay, that's the, these are not such, he wasn't as terrible as I thought of. Um, and I could watch Secrets of, I could watch The Secret Show. Um, Secrets of Playboy. Secrets of Playboy. I don't, I have it written down as secrets of the bunnies, but I guess it's secrets of, I should correct it in my notes. So that way I stop messing up the name. Um, I could completely watch secrets of playboy and be completely validated in my pre docu-series feelings about him. Yeah, you could. Or just be just like conflicted and be like, so he was a human and there were good and bad and how I feel about like 98% of the population that there's good and there's bad and genuinely it's a mix. Yeah. And people act on both really. Nobody's perfect. So, you know, obviously (laughs) (laughs) not at all. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Everybody's has multiple dimensions to their personality and yeah. we all have very toxic traits and yeah. we all have really great things about well there are some people I do not think have good things about them really at all um but very there's a very small percentage of the population that's either one or the other mm-hmm. like I said 98 yep. percent pretty much nobody's per- all good or all bad yeah, 98% of, of us are living on that spectrum. Mm-hmm. You have like the Betty White that was perfect. And then you have like my ex oh, who's baby. absolutely 100% evil. And that serial killer who was killing prostitutes, obviously 100% evil. <laughs> Thank you for giving me that. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, obviously, um, 100%. There's no, there's no room. There's no wiggle room there for serial killers. Um, or, you know, my ex, they're all on the, (laughs) there's no redeeming qualities about those people, but Hugh Hefner probably falls somewhere in the middle with most of us. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Okay. (laughs) I love you. I love you. Um, Okay. Pause. Maybe time for us to check in 
here. Um, I think that went in longer than I was expecting it to. I pretty think long. Some... I think we're about an hour and a half now or a little longer yeah. than that. I think that with editing and stuff, it's probably going to end up falling about the same length as the rest of our episodes. Well, with the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there'll be least... mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that was good. So do we want to do our little closer? I'm going to wrap it up here. Um, wrap it up. We did just have a sex talk, so wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Everybody, <laughs> wrap it up, kids. Um, <laughs> so how should we wrap this up here, though? Um, <clears throat> so I guess in closing here, our final thoughts, I guess, of this um little docu-series American Playboy the Hugh Hefner story we um we learned a lot about him um and Mm -hmm. we learned a lot about you know the good things that um he used his platform for and really what it was intended for and where he really was coming from um Mm -hmm. in that sense with his business so I think that that's really cool and I'm nervous to find out um, what is said in Secrets of Playboy. Um, you know, mm-hmm. there's a personal side to Hef that was not covered for sure in um, the docuseries that we watched. And as we said, it glazed over a lot of years. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm very intrigued. I'm very nervous. And I guess uh, we'll I don't. See where I, it goes. I'll... I'm interested. So why are you nervous? I do not want to hear gruesome stories. Okay. I don't want anything gruesome to happen to anybody. That's what I mean by that. So I'm going to, can I just give like my, my prediction? Okay. Okay. So Hugh Hefner gets really popular. He's done all this hard work. He's probably a very redeemable man. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and his intentions were good and empowering for women. And then he gets older, he's rich. Mm-hmm. He divorces his second wife, his kids grow up a little bit, and he's going back to that bachelor playboy lifestyle. But now he's starting from a place of being an entitled rich person. And I bet he's a bit of an asshole. So I'm betting that that's like a change that happens that causes such a distinct difference in the perception of him from like Barbie, his girlfriend, who has such wonderful, remarkable mm-hmm. things to say about him yeah, yeah. to the playmates that are exposing the darker side in Secrets of Playboy. I'm betting it starts like like the girl 90. next door time. Yeah, ni- late early. 90s, oh. 2000s. And there's okay. probably a little bit of an entitlement to it. That's that's my guess completely, again, not seeing it. But I right. bet there's there's something that happens that comes with money and age. And yeah. I mean, I'm going to be honest. Old men can be very creepy to be around. It's been my experience. Like, I... I go to Home Depot 
And I love during the pandemic being able to tell old men to step off and feeling like empowered to be like, no, get six feet away from me because they could be so creepy. Um, and I don't think that creepiness if they're is... hitting on you and like, no, they're not even like hitting on you. They're just, there's a creepiness about old men be like, they get too close and they just don't have these boundaries. It's been my, I've had a lot of experience where I've just been like, dude, do you not realize how, like your presence right now? Like they're just not, there's a lack of awareness that comes with age with men that they don't have when they're young and single necessarily in bars. Like, I don't think that's where most of the guys are go wrong. I think they go wrong in old age. Well, anyway, (laughs) back to wrapping this up. Uh, (laughs) All right. right. So that's an interesting. That's an interesting prediction. Um, and I guess we're going to see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm interested. I also hope that you watch Pam and Tommy. That is like an ongoing episode type of thing. So they're it's, still filming it and airing it. They're still airing it. I don't know if they're still filming it, but right, they're right, still right. airing it, certainly. Yeah. Um, cool. So that's well, yeah, I will start that. And um, my we'll see when we when we start secrets of playboy we'll follow up this episode with our thoughts on that as well yeah i loved this i loved like talking about this with you on this yeah it's really interesting in this way yeah it's interesting stuff so yeah thanks thanks and i love you oh no my cat is throwing up on my bed oh i'm gonna go take care of that all right so this has been sisterly situations our (laughs) that's my brand new situation (laughs) oh my gosh um so yeah this has been sisterly situations and um definitely like and subscribe (laughs) like and subscribe we'd love to hear your thoughts and if anybody has watched any of these series and have some thoughts and perspectives you want to add in the comments love to hear those perspectives so check out our website and (laughs) yeah we'll go (laughs) and i love you and (laughs) Thank you so much for taking that. I love you too. Bye.